I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. Thank you for joining us again. This is part two of my conversation with my dear friend, Peter Rennert. Peter is a former professional tennis player who ranked in the top 10 in the world in doubles and the top 40 in the world in singles. He was the number one tennis college player in America. He was in the quarterfinals of the Australian Open twice, and he then burned out, completely got really badly injured at age 25, and had to stop his entire career, as he said in part one, in order to be able to walk when he's 40. Over 30 years since, Peter has coached players at all levels, including helping John McEnroe win multiple Grand Slam titles. And his method is the opposite, almost the exact opposite of what we're told we should do, which is to tough it out and push through. Peter's view is that the effortless leads us much, much further. That if you go through listening to your body and finding that mind-body harmony and giving that priority over what your agenda, what you're trying to achieve in life is, you may go a lot further, you may become a lot better at what you do, and eventually become a lot more successful. So let's go and continue this conversation with Peter Rennert about Telos, the effortless life operating system. So let's go to that experience, because in my experience, when we played together, Truly, after maybe a 10, 15 minutes of my brain resisting, hitting the ball became easier. So that idea of effortless, you taught me that the most efficient path is actually the one with the least effort. It's almost the opposite of what you suffered as a professional tennis player, what I suffered as an executive, which is, is the maximum effort that gets you somewhere You're saying, no, no, hold on. The least effort is what gets you anywhere. Correct. So so let's talk about that. Okay. So tell us, what is Telos about? Okay. So first you summed it up really well. Telos was about, I achieved excellence and my body broke down. Okay. So I know how to be excellent. I don't know how to live. All right. I've got to learn how to make it sustainable. That was clear. That was the goal. Sustainable excellence. How do I achieve sustainable excellence? Well, It came up the most important part, body-mind harmony, is the top priority, always. Now, that means that it's not crunchy granola. You know, it's your body and your mind work together in harmony to do whatever it is you want to do. Okay. So that became step one of TELOS, which stands for the Effortless Life Operating System. and. Remember step one of Telos. So I just tell you that the way Telos, the name came about was I called what I did effortless for a really, really long time. And then I went to get the URL and some broker wanted $100,000 for the name. And I was like, okay, obviously I can't have that name. Then weirdly, the very people who admire effortlessness, who watch a Roger Federer and they sit in awe and go, oh my God, he's effortless. 
when I would teach it to their kids, they said, you're teaching my kid to be lazy. <laughs> mm. Their perception of the word, and as I would say effortless doesn't mean no effort. It means the least amount of effort possible in order to achieve whatever the task of the moment is. So anyway, for years, people told me that what I did was really a life operating system, that it wasn't, that's what I was doing. And I said, well, I, I actually thank you, but I don't know what that means. And they said, well, you have a phone. It has an operating system. It's the thing on which everything runs. And I was like, oh, okay, it is a, it is a life operating system. And I'm applying it right now. It's three simple steps that endlessly repeat and can be applied to anything. In this case, I was like, okay, well, my credentials are tennis. I'm going to apply it to tennis. That's the first step. So step one of Telos was body, mind, harmony is the top priority to get your body and your mind to work together in harmony in order to do whatever it is you want to do. Step two is to create a specific and prioritized agenda. What do you want to do? It's literally like, I just said step one was for them to work together to what you want to do. Step two is you got to figure out what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. And step three is if one and two conflict, let go of the agenda, return to step one, reestablish body-mind harmony, and then mm -hmm. resume the agenda or clarify it if necessary. It just keeps repeating over and over those three things. And the real big changer is making body-mind harmony the top priority is completely different than the way we were taught to that hard way guy who I was, who was taught to dig in, be a man, give 110%. The harder you work, if you outwork the other guy and you put in one more hour than them, you're going to be successful. That's how you get to be great. I bought that hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, and I have to say I did too. So how do we, how do we get to mind-body harmony? Okay, uh, that's a good question. Can I tell briefly the story of your experience of the tennis lesson that I remember? <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, this is how I remember it. We sat down, and we'd already had a conversation, so you were interested, but you made it clear I don't really play tennis, and it was pretty clear you had no expectations at all. And I did what I do, what would you like us to focus on? And I do at the beginning of a lesson, I do a body scan. I always ask, you know, because I remember if it. I'm going to help you create body-mind harmony, the first thing, and you said, well, actually, I said, do you have any pains or anything? And you were like, actually, you don't want to know. <laughs> I have pain everywhere. That's right. You said, I have pain everywhere. I go, well, can you be specific? And you're like, well, I mean, I said, it's actually, it's the most important thing because when I'm work with you, I don't want anything that we do together to create new pain. I want you to be aware of what is so you can be aware of when it changes. Mm. I've learned in my teaching that if someone, if I raise my arm all the way above my head and my other arm can only go halfway, if I can't see the difference, I'm not going to notice if things change. Correct. So the first thing is I needed for you to do that. And when you did, then you're like, well, I got a headache here. I got a headache here. My shoulder hurts here. My neck's here. And you <laughs> went through like a list of things. I said, God, I was... I didn't know if we could even go any further after you listed all of them. I was concerned. <laughs> Called the hospital. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was concerned. And I said, how long, I asked you, how long have you been in that pain? And you stopped. You really thought about it. And you said, I think since I was about eight years old. That was my memory of your response. That since eight. That was, yeah. Okay. So then I said, okay, so you know where your pain is. And I was like, I always know where my lessons begin. I never know where they're going to go. And I know where we'll be at the end. But in the middle, it's a complete adventure. 
And we started with, we just did the Tai Chi where I had you do a super slow motion stroke on the forehand. And I asked you, was there any restriction or pain? And you noticed that at the end of the stroke, you were reaching so far that it was hurting your shoulder. So you reached a little less far and it didn't hurt your shoulder. And then you were able to do a stroke that didn't hurt. And then I just said, mm, at the moment of contact. And then you were gone. Like mm, you were experimenting and exploring and going all over the place. And occasionally you hit really hard to see what would happen. And I would say like, no, don't hit hard yet. Let's let's keep it in what I call gear one, a nice, easy pace. And after 10, 15 minutes of doing that, I checked in with you. I said, so, you know, I just want to check in and see how your body's feeling. And you did a body scan and you said, I actually don't have any pain anywhere in my body. And you said, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that's why I love what I do. I said, actually, I, I really don't know how I did that exactly, but I do have a theory. And I think this answers your question for how someone can get into it. That's why I told the story is that the theory is that most of us have been living a life where our head has been telling our body what to do all day long, every day for most of our life. And our body does not have the experience of being an equal partner in our life. And that what happened in those 15 minutes was your body got the message that Mo was listening and not only listening, but honoring. And then your body just completely relaxed. He said, well, if he's going to listen to me, then we'll be fine. And the fear and the tension and all of that disappears. But also, I, I remember vividly, it was because I was listening that I wasn't stretching that extra bit or hitting that extra hard or trying so hard. My focus was simply, I want to make sure that my body does this the way it wants to do it. And I don't care if the ball crosses back to you. Correct. But by, by focusing on that, every ball crossed back to you. That's correct. Yeah, that's the joke, I think, of spirituality is that like, as soon as you let go, I mean, look, step three is let go of the agenda if it conflicts with the intention, which is, you know, the step one, the body, mind, harmony. And we have a hard time doing that. And if you hold on, even with a little pinky, you know, just barely holding on, you're still holding on. And that causes pain. Letting go is how we get away. It causes all sorts of pain. I mean, it's really interesting because within, within body, you know, body, mind, harmony, within body, I think there's a lot of emotions that trigger those pains as well. So we hold on too long to a relationship or we hold on too long to a job and, you know, it's hurting us and we're pushing it. And yeah, it might not be physical pain initially, but that emotional pain, we still stick to the agenda and we don't listen to the emotional pain, right? Like myself, and I keep saying that publicly because sooner or later I have to hold myself accountable, that incredible urge in me to retreat for a while and sort of have a more of a monk, a reflective period of days or weeks or months or whatever, and constantly, you know, this clearly is a message my being is sending to me, but I keep telling myself, no, no, push the agenda. You need to pop out, you know, slow-mo episodes on time. You need to write extensively. You need to do this. You need to do that, right? And all of those conflicts are not unusual. It's not just our body and physical pain. 
It's that conflict between the agenda and what our being really is looking for, isn't it? Yeah. So when I said body, mind, harmony is the top priority is step one, depending if you're doing Telos life, then it's body, mind, harm, spirit. Because if there's a restlessness inside, which could be our being or our spirit or whatever someone feels comfortable calling it, intuition, I don't know, then you're not content. You're not at peace. And even as I said, I know there's a lot of people who aren't comfortable being content and at peace. That's an uncomfortable place. And so they move. I was thinking, as you said it, that for me, one story I heard once that just, I never understood that somebody said, life is like a river and the shores are pain and pleasure. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I know which shore I want to go to. (laughs) If those are the two choices, I know where I want to go. But then it was explained so well that the pain, that the real pain of the existence of our being is that trying to hold on to either shore. And that if I could just, and the irony was that no matter what happened, I was going down the river. But if I tried to hold on to the shore, the way I was going to go down the river was exhausted, limply washed down the river. Whereas if I let go, my arms can go in the air and I can, I mean, I can, woo-wee, and just ride the river. And that the river is a series of rapids and peaceful waters. And I could arrive in the peaceful waters exhausted, or I could arrive in the peaceful waters fully energized and excited about being alive. Yeah. <laughs> Easier said than done, Peter. Yes. Well, just the last piece, I, that's why I was talking about Novak earlier. I, I love, there was a moment, if anybody gets a chance to see his press conference after he won Wimbledon, it was Christopher McClary, I think, who asked a question about his thought process in these difficult moments. And Novak is very big talking about trying to be present. But he said, look, you know, I'm like everyone. I'm constantly struggling between I should have done this, I wish I had done that, or, ooh, if I can just get this point, I'm going to be where I want to be. In other words, he's always- In the past and the future. Past, future, like, you know, being present is the challenge. But what he does better than anyone, in my opinion, is because he knows that and he accepts that, he wastes the least amount of energy being present. And that, in the end, you're right. In the end, I am an efficiency expert. I do not like to waste energy. And judging wastes energy. So no matter what I do, if I can observe it without judgment, I can self-correct. I've decided the way I want to travel life. That's all. Body, mind, harmony is a top priority. Is simply, it's like, do you want to fly coach or you want to fly first class? Do you want, you know, how do you want to fly? I want to fly body, mind, harmony. So any moment I'm off course, body, mind, spirit, any moment I'm feeling restless, anxious, whatever, is like just a moment to pay attention. What's going on? Is the agenda driving me? Is the agenda what's causing the anxiety? Do I simply need to take what's number five on my agenda and put it up to number one and poof, the feeling of a hurry, being in a hurry goes away? Almost always that's the case for me. And then you have the big ones. Yeah. It's so simple when you hear it. It's most of the time when you actually open up to the idea 
of yeah the agenda can change if it contradicts with the way I choose to live the agenda should be the one that changes not the way I choose to live it's just so freaking simple but so hard well it's not necessarily easy but it it is incredibly yeah. simple that's what i've learned navigating and that's the beauty of it that's what like now with telos i do tennis cuz that's my area of expertise so i focus i create an entire curriculum for students for players i do workshops travel places to do workshops to introduce them to telos tennis i do training camps for people who want a more immersive experience i do all those things but i've been training people to apply this to their area of expertise so now telos golf has soft launch is going to launch in the fall telos health and fitness is going to launch in 2022 i mean give you energy efficiency just on the health and fitness the guy who's a, the director of telos health and fitness john adamick is getting his phd right now at the university of illinois he's got a masters in sports science he's perfect for me cuz i don't need science to make my decisions which often means people won't accept them. <laughs> Sadly, yeah. 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 You know, so I'm okay, I understand that. Like I'm fine moving on feeling, but I recognize the unbelievable value of data, the importance of data, the importance of science. Like together we make a really good team. So there's something called simultaneous training. And I I have to mention it because his deep desire is to get this out to the world. There are meta-analyses on it. Simultaneous simply means doing two types of training at the same time say cognitive training and physical training okay when you do them together now if i backtrack one piece approximately 85% of adult americans do not exercise on a regular basis despite a consensus among healthcare professionals that it's essential for well-being absolutely everywhere in the world Right. So I always had the Telos answer for me was, yeah, I know why. It's not enjoyable. They're asking me to do something not enjoyable. I'm not going to do something not enjoyable and I don't care if it's good for me. Sorry, just not going to do it. So if it's the rest of the world, great. So John, there's now several meta-analysis on simultaneous training, doing these two things at the same time. That he had the same problem. He was a personal trainer when he started. He had all these great programs, nobody would do them. They call it adherence and compliance. Nobody would adhere to it. Nobody would comply. Nobody would do the exercise. Then he started working with professional athletes. He worked with Novak. He worked with a bunch of different people. They did it all, but he didn't want to work with the 0.0001% of amazing athletes. He wanted everybody to have this. So then he went back and got a master's and that wasn't enough. So then he wanted to do research and he's, that's why he's getting his PhD. The study now, the meta-analysis that just came out, meaning, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, I didn't know what a meta-analysis was, but it's a bunch of different analyses all put together, says simultaneous training, the effectiveness of it. First, one surprising thing is that it's way more enjoyable. People are doing it because it's so much more enjoyable to do the physical and the cognitive at the same time. Then the data shows that up 33 hours of simultaneous training, say going for a hike because you have to navigate the terrain, you need to cognitively be present in order to take a hike. 33 hours of simultaneous training is the equivalent of 80 to 100 hours of physical training and 80 to 100 hours of cognitive training. Done separately, you have to do 80 to 100 hours of each of those in order to get the same benefits as 33 hours. You know, so I, I mean, I just mentioned it because it's like simple. Yeah, it's so simple, but people don't know it. 
It's body, mind, harmony. It's both of them working together. And that's why he was attracted to what I was doing because he said, oh my God, you've got a methodology that's actually consistent with the science. Can I ask you a question though, Peter? So, you know, the idea of changing the agenda seems to be like a little too chill. Chill? Yeah, so say I'm out there and I promised myself my startup is going to close two deals this year, for example. And this is messing up with my body, mind, harmony. Hypothetically, this is not a real example. Huh? <laughs> wink, wink. Okay. <laughs> uh, of course. You know, going out of that agenda, you know, is like, hey, you're supposed to have perseverance. You're supposed to push, right? The issue that got you burnt out in the first place. That's so correct. How do you balance those two? Well, great question first. And the way I balance it is I know that my body and my mind working together in harmony to do what I want to do is my top priority. And that's what makes this a game changer. This, that's what makes this different from all the other methodologies out there that say they're doing something like what I'm doing, but they aren't. Because when push comes to shove, they drop the body. But I have the gift of knowing what happens when you don't listen to your body. I couldn't walk. I was 25 and I couldn't mm. walk. And it was only because my mind literally had drove my body into the ground. Correct. So the way you get to where you want to go is you have to commit. You have to use all the discipline, all the perseverance, all those positive attributes of achieving to commit to body, mind, harmony. And I tell you, I've looked in the eyes of someone we both know, actually, and to a very high-powered executive who had a little more weight around the tummy than they wanted. I remember the story. And yeah. I just showed them one simple thing. It looked like it was about eating, about mindful eating, like just for three breaths, put the fork down, create a space between the first three bites of every meal. In other words, you take a bite, you put the fork down, the glass down, you chew, you wait till you're done, and then you take the next bite. Just do it for the first three bites at every meal. One week came back to me, couldn't do it. Next week came back to me, couldn't do it. Then complained about something. And I just said, you know what? You don't have the discipline to do this. Because I knew what would piss them off more. <laughs> like tell, <laughs> Telling an, a, you know, a type A achiever that they don't have the discipline to do what's necessary to get the job done. So I'm talk, I think the answer to your question is that you have to redirect all the things that are absolutely essential to achieving excellence. I would agree, like, you know, hard work, I'll just call persistent focus or, you know, determination and perseverance and all of those things, they are necessary, but not to the point that I'm going to abuse my body. Use all those things to commit to the fact, and that takes a leap of faith, which you don't know if you're going to get to where you want to go if you make body, mind, harmony the top priority. Plus, you're going to get a lot of grief from at first, possibly from other people around you. All I can tell you is I know, and that's what I do. I do it all the time. It's like, you can tell anybody who's like, if they're in pain, it's pretty hard to experience joy and pain at the same time. So it comes down to values. There's the work of Jim Lehrer on that. We say what we value, and then there's what we do. And it turns out we're not really valuing yeah, 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 the things exactly. we say we're valuing. So do you value your health? Where's your health? I would say to the person who's doing the startup, I'd say, make a list of your top three things for you. You know, where is health in your value system? Where's your well-being? Where is financial security? Pick three big ones. Where's emotional security? 
if health and well-being isn't first, it means you may not get health and well-being. Are you willing to sacrifice that for financial security? Then I say, okay, but do it consciously. Do it awareness. You know, like, no. Just like in tennis, like Grand Slam, right now we have a big issue and I'm really focused with my team on possibly creating this thing, this, this idea I have. It's the beginning of an idea. The United States has not had a Grand Slam champion in the men's tennis since 2003. That's 18 years. That's unusual. And they're wondering what's wrong with American tennis? What's wrong with our developmental system? The first thing is, I'm sorry, but like one person out of 7 billion gets to be a Grand Slam champion. Like it's not as easy as all that. But that's the focus, creating a Grand Slam champion. So what I'm looking at right now is trying to get the four best male U.S. tennis athletes at around the age of 12 whose dream that they can actually really grasp is they want to win a Grand Slam championship. My job is to help them clarify and fulfill their dream. But in order to do that, we're going to have a health and fitness person. We're going to have a nutrition person. There'll be emotion. There's mental. There's, there's all these different aspects of professionalism. And body-mind harmony is going to be the top priority, which makes it different than the current mainstream American tennis program. Everybody gets injured. Even our best, we have some really good, really great players. They get injured and they think, oh, well, professional sport, you get injured. It's true. Professional sports, they have to endure, back to what I said at the very beginning, some unnecessary stress, but not in training. So if it's four all in the fifth set in the finals of Wimbledon and you lose the space between your breath and, you know, so and you've got a cramp or, you know, something, the body is not happy, you've got to navigate that moment. But you don't have to train creating that moment all the time in order to learn how to navigate it. It's pretty easy. Get there once, learn how to navigate it. And the next time you get there, you'll know what to do. But the wear and tear we put on ourselves to prepare for this moment a lot of our emergency fighters, you know, firefighters and rescuers, they know like they just chill until it's an emergency. They don't like stress themselves out all day long to get ready for when they're stressed out. Mm. Yes, exactly. I call that synthesized stress, right? I had a, a boss once, I'm writing about stress as we speak. So I had a boss once who had literally a pattern that you can follow. You come back from vacation on January, the first week, everyone's hugging and having fun. Second week, the stress increases and then it continues to increase until by mid-February, you want to kill yourself, right? It was his way of saying, let's get up to speed, let's get up to speed. When the business actually doesn't happen at that time, it's just, let me teach you to be capable of handling the stress when the business actually happens. Most business happens later in the year, right? Ah. Uh, you, you start new prospects, you start new conversations with clients and so on and so forth. They take time and then later in the year you close the deals, but he wanted the stress to be early on. So Peter, let me summarize this. At the beginning of our conversation, you basically said where the energy goes. The, the ball goes where the energy goes. Yeah, where the energy flows, the ball goes, right? It's not where it flows because I'm choosing that. I just want to be clear about that. Most people in at a bigger scope of life are directing all of the energy to, I'm going to tough it out and I'm going to achieve something that is really, really grand. Whatever, everyone's dream is different. You're saying, no, no, your energy should be to constantly stay in harmony and balance. 
And the outcome of that is that you're not going to be injured. You're going to be enjoying what you're doing. You're going to get better and better and better at it. And in the longer term, you actually will achieve more than if you achieve spiky, quick wins followed by injuries, which is the sign of the times that we live in. Right. Your summary was energy goes where it flows. And that my point was that a long-term approach will get you what, oh, let me add it. The long-term approach, the side effect, this is the side effect of practicing these three steps that endlessly repeat is not just that you achieve more, but you actually figure out what it is you really want to do. And that combined with a process, because think about it, if you're constantly letting go of the agenda, clarifying the agenda, resuming the agenda, you just keep removing the clutter. It's like my house. Once you get it all out of the way, you're just left with what it is. You know, that big question that people run terrified from, why are you here? is a natural side effect of practicing this simple process. I adore that. I mean, honestly, every time we talk, Peter, you get me to sit back and reflect and think about what clutter needs to be removed. It is not a secret that in the year of COVID or year and a half of COVID, stress went through the roof. People are are really burnt out because when we stay at home, we work harder. Now that we're out and about, at least in many countries around the world, we're starting to struggle with that. There is so much that we're pushing for because we believe there is a certain agenda, while in reality, we could have used the time for harmony like you did, you know, like to clutter life and to really find more balance. And I think it's a call to action, really. You know, every time we speak, I really, really think to myself, maybe I should put my fork down. Maybe I should, uh, (laughs) you know, sit back and reflect on the agenda because in reality, there's no rush. There is time to get a lot of things done as long as you don't get injured. And I think that's a fabulous view of life. Wow, thank you. I will say, it's not that you don't get injured. You're much less likely to get injured. If you do get injured, it's much more likely to be less serious. I mean, there are random things that are horrible, but in general... I mean, if you look at my career, there were a thousand blinking yellow lights and red lights, and I went through every single one before I arrived at no more movement. That's it. It stops. So we don't see those signs. No, we see them and consciously say they're not me. (laughs) Uh, You know, that's for the people who don't succeed. That's for the people who don't achieve. That's for the lazy people. That's for people who are not going to do anything. I still, even as we talk about it, to say, like, I do think about, I've had people say that my point of view is a point of view of someone who has the luxury of having that point of view. And I agree with them. But I think if that whole large group of people of us who have the luxury, the people who have a roof over their head, who have food, you know, who have their physical needs met, who have that in place, which is a large portion of it, if we all did this, then the other people would be taken care of as well. That's such an amazing point to end on. The truth is, when you said you have the luxury to do this, I asked myself, who doesn't? I mean, if someone has an iPhone, which is like 80% of the playbacks of this podcast, and they have an hour to spare to come and sit to us chatting away as good old friends, that basically means they must be not attacked by a tiger at the moment, which means they're probably safe. 
every one of us, of course, unless we define our needs differently, has the luxury to take care of themselves. I really don't think there is an, an excuse to say, oh, but I'm starving. No, you're not. If you're listening to us, you're probably okay. That's a really good point. I think that's a, a call to reconsider. I've known so many friends and followers and people that come talk to me about burnout. And I think the idea is very straightforward. If the agenda contradicts from your mind-body harmony, you go to number three and revisit the agenda. It's as simple as okay, that. Okay, so a burnout, we'll make that the closing. That seems like that might be a bit of the audience. So in the hard way, that's what I call it, the hard way, the system that is dig in, work hard, achieve, we've discussed it. There are five side effects that are unavoidable. They are the natural side effects. First is fatigue, then there's exhaustion, then there's breakdown. Now breakdown means either an illness or an injury, that cold or the flu or whatever they get, that happens. Now that's one, two, and three. Most of us, and this is how I live my life, we get the fatigue, we get the exhaustion, we get the breakdown, we start over. And we go back to a fatigue, exhaustion, breakdown, and we work in that cycle. There are some of us who are so driven that we get past the breakdown and arrive at burnout. Burnout means you've gone through those. And then once I get to burnout, at that point, if I don't have an epiphany, if I don't realize my best thinking got me here, I go back to fatigue, exhaustion, breakdown, and repeat that cycle until I arrive at burnout again. And there's a rare few who go beyond burnout and arrive at death. And I know that's kind of a dark, I've been told, don't say that, you know, <laughs> but it's like, there are people who have literally, I use the metaphor, driven their body into the ground. There are people who have driven their body into the ground, a lot of them. Oh, many. Yeah. Many. And, you know, without going that far, just being at burnout, you could actually be in, like you, for more than a year, unable to move in constant pain. Right. You've driven your body out of service, basically. And you don't know it. So that's one way to get things done. I call it the hard way. The effortless way is the other way, which is just those three steps. One, make body, mind, harmony your top priority. The commitment to get your body and mind to work together to do whatever it is that you want to do. Then figure out what you want to do and start doing it. And then when you're doing it, pay attention. If you lose body, mind, harmony, go back, reestablish the connection to it, and then pick up the agenda and clarify it if it's necessary. It endlessly repeats, endlessly repeats. It's a choice. Which way do we want to live? That's the way I've chosen to live. And it just keeps doing this. It keeps removing clutter, clarifying purpose, expanding joy, expanding productivity, all the things we want. I think that's a fabulous place to end, guys. Uh, this is actually a very interesting and clear and unusual way, different than what the world has told us to get all the things that we want. And I, and I have to say, Peter, I'm going to sign up for this. Once again, I'll sit back and clarify the agenda and maybe text you and say, man, why do you disappear and not call me for a couple of months at a time? <laughs> well, it remember so... those things as you do it. I realize there's one last piece that for you that you're right. I didn't clearly articulate here, but it's like, what is body, mind, harmony? How do I get it in the first place? And there are tools that's, I guess I have, you know, the curriculums I have online are an easy way to get it, but there are simple tools we can use. One, if you just close your eyes and pay attention to your breath, that's a tool to become present. Yes. And you will find out, am I hot? Am I tired? Does it hurt? Whatever. And then just make the adjustments.
Absolutely. You know, do the body scan and realize how much of it is going wrong. With that, everyone, I, uh, I'm signing up. I think my next weekend is going to be dedicated to reflecting on the agenda, doing my body scan, finding if I'm in mind-body harmony. Peter, I am really, really grateful that you share this. I think it really makes a big difference, especially for someone who has led the lifestyle that I have led for many, many years. So thank you for that. It's my pleasure. I have one last thing to say to you. If you have the feeling of being in a hurry, not if you're in a hurry, if you have the feeling of being in a hurry, you're off course. You can't have body-mind harmony and the feeling. The feeling of being in a hurry is the mind and the body moving at two different speeds. Oh, that's so. so if you have the feeling of being in a hurry, you don't have to think, you don't have to reflect. If you have that feeling, then go look at your agenda. Oh, man. All right, guys. I I have to leave everyone now. I I think that last one really got me. I I hope everyone enjoyed this as much as I did. Thanks for inviting me on, Mo. It is always a pleasure. Let's talk again soon. Absolutely. And everyone, if you've enjoyed this as much as I did, please go ahead and visit Peter's work around Telos. And I urge you to really do the reflection yourself. And I urge you to actually share this with your friends. I think many, many, many need that reflection and need the relief as we speak. Do rate the podcast five stars. I think that this episode definitely has been an amazing conversation. Share it with your friends. And uh, remember, as I always say, even though it doesn't seem I apply it all the time, Despite how busy your agenda is today, there's always a tiny bit of time for you to slow down. I love you all for listening and I will see you next time.